I'm honored to be up here. I'm honored to be asked to speak on Mother's Day, although it is a little bit daunting when I look around the room at all of the amazing mothers uh, that are present here. And so it's the prayer of my heart that this does justice to you, <laughs> to the value of who you are and the importance of your work. Um, so it's a short time frame. It would take um, it would take an eternity to really to express your value, but I just pray the grace of heaven today on me and, and what I'm saying, and that there would continue to be strength in life poured out on all um, of you women and mothers. I'm going to pray. Jesus, I thank you that you are here. I thank you that motherhood, women were your idea, Lord, and I do just welcome you right now. Holy Spirit, just come right now. Continue as you've done all morning, Lord, to refresh and stir in Jesus' name. And I welcome the spirit of wisdom and revelation and counsel to speak, open up eyes to see, ears to hear, hearts to understand. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. All right, we're going to cover a lot in a short time, so let's dive right in. Culture is saying a lot today about women. A whole lot. It feels messier and at a fever pitch than ever. I don't think the debate about women is anything new, but it does feel um, at a high level of intensity. I think we can all agree with that, right? And yet, Scripture says in Romans 12, it says, Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your minds. And so I'm actually not going to spend a long time today to talk about the pattern of this world. I want to talk about the pattern of heaven and his design for women and for mothers. Because Jesus, God, is not reacting to anything in this world. He is the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords. And so his design has been in place since the beginning of time, since he fashioned us. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to, I'm going to bring into focus what did he intend What was his design, a part of his design, in fashioning women and thereby mothers? Because you can't be a mother without being a woman. It's together. (laughs) There is no one without the other. It is such a privilege to be created a woman and have the opportunity to mother. So... So that's, that's our focus today, and we, I believe the Spirit of the Lord is here to bring transformation as our minds see just the, the absolute glory in what he designed and fashioned since the beginning, since Genesis, right? It's where it all began. So in Genesis chapter 1, where it all started, right? In Genesis 126, God says, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Very good. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. This is a culmination, his crowning achievement, God's crowning achievement in, in, as he's fashioning the world, this moment of creating male and female in his image. And yet there was something that wasn't good after saying everything was good. In Genesis chapter 2, in verse 18, the Lord God said, 
it is not good for the man to be alone, because at this time there was just one, just one, right, just one man. I will make a helper suitable for him. Okay. The only thing that wasn't good was for man to be alone. And so the solution to this first problem was to fashion a suitable helper. And so being the wise God that he was, he went on a search for it. It was it's a talent contest, maybe. I don't know. In the following verse, now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the wild animals and all the birds in the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them. And whatever the man called each living creature, that was what its name was. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds in the sky, and all the wild animals. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and then closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. Right? This is amazing. There was no suitable helper for man except one that had to be specifically fashioned for this role of what it means to be a suitable helper. Now, growing up, me as a woman, I've heard this, this passage preached or taught about women and how we were called helper. This was what we were fashioned to be. And the implied meaning, or sometimes not just implied, it was told, was that basically men were in charge. This has not been taught here, by the way. This is not convergence doctrine. I'm just telling you about previous experience. And that I, woman, am the, kind, I'm the little helper. I'm the helper, you know, because we, man just needed a little sidekick, so to speak. And, um, but don't worry. I remember being told, you know, like, it's still special because um, God calls himself helper too. So, you know, which I thought was funny, you know, makes God sound like he's our little sidekick helper person. Um, but what does that actually mean, helper? We're so familiar with that word, help. You know, what does it actually mean, help? I mean, I know a lot of us moms are like, we're saying that word every day, help, you know? <laughs> Please help. Somebody help. So, but what does, what does it mean? So I want to dig into the meaning of that word, helper. Okay, so the word there that God used to describe woman, the suitable helper, that had to be specifically fashioned, is the Hebrew word, ezer. Ezer. And it appears in the Old Testament 21 times. Two times it's referred to women, ezer, right? Three times in the Old Testament it refers to the powerful nations that Israel called out for help for when they were besieged. The remaining 16 times it uses in the Old Testament, when it uses the word Ezer, it is re in reference to God as our helper. It's never referred to as a man, by the way. This is not a demeaning message about men, but it just happens to be Mother's Day. So, you know, there's focus here, right? <laughs> That's it. So, like, when it, when it says Psalm 118, this is one of the 16 references. The Lord is with me. He is my helper. He is my Ezer. I look in triumph over my enemies. Andrew did not know I was going to be preaching on this. Psalm 121. I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help, my ezer, come from? My ezer comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Do you see a pattern, a design here of what helper is, what an ezer is? Whether it was when Israel was besieged 
and cried out for help from a powerful nation, or when the people of God were crying out, who was their Ezer? Woman was called Ezer. You as a woman, let me be very clear, this is not an implied meaning, this is designed meaning from heaven, were called Ezer. You were called help. You are the difference between victory and defeat. You are. It is not good for man to be alone. He needs a suitable Ezer. Because he always has a plan for victory. He wanted there to be full success for Adam, for all people on the planet. And woman was a suitable solution for victory. Your help, the way you were designed to give help, is the difference between victory and defeat, life and death. So much is riding on us understanding this. This pattern, this imagery of giving help and not leaving us alone was continued with Jesus when he was here. In his final days leading up to the crucifixion, before he was resurrected, he began to tell the disciples, right? He says to them, I'm going to leave you, but don't worry, I'm not going to leave you alone. <laughs> I'm not going to leave you as orphans, he says in John 14. Yeah. I'm going to send you a helper. Yeah. It's translated in various ways, helper. It's not the same word as Ezra, by the way, but it's the same imagery. It's the model. It's the heart of heaven to see you succeed. I'm going to send you a helper. I'm going to send you an advocate in some translations say. I'm going to send you a comforter. You're not going to be alone. I will come to you. I will be with you. And he fulfilled those promises, right? The Holy Spirit was poured out. He is helping us. <laughs> it is powerful to know the heart of the Father was never that we be alone but that we would be fully resourced in help. So what does that have to do with motherhood? That's really cool, Nikki, Ezer, women. But what does that have to do with motherhood? Ezer, you being created a woman was God's design choice for you. He said yes. It says in Psalm 139, before you were even formed in your mother's womb, he knew you. He wrote a story about you. He designed you with intent. He specifically chose, if you're a woman in this room, to make you female. And what an honor it is to be made female. He chose to name you Ezer, a powerful help in the land for those around you. But when he gave the command to be fruitful and multiply, that is your choice to engage with that. His choosing of you is done. You have been chosen woman. You choosing to mother is your choice back to him. To say yes to the high calling that your life matters enough to leave legacy, to leave impact, to leave an imprint of help. To see, as Wanda wrote out there in the photo booth, and she did not know I was preaching this sermon today, that you can help write other people's stories, not just your own. But that is a choice to embrace in that. Just as many of you in the room chose to carry life, right? So many of you carried those babies to the detriment of your own bodies, right? 
You said yes to the high calling of that life. Some of you have never had a child, not a biological child. You may be, you, I, I know women in this room that are single, you're not married, and yet you choose to mother, you choose to, to engage in the writing of other people's story by lend, lending your strategic help to who they are in their world so that they may be victorious. This is huge. And I want, to, I want to say many of you right now as women, many of you are doing mothering things by intuition because it's so in your nature as a woman to help. We just call it different words many times. We call it mentors, coaches, leaders, business leaders. But I, I want to restore and give vision for the word mother because it is unique among the names, because it is about legacy. It's about you being fruitful. And it didn't just matter in Genesis and the first command of heaven. It matters in John when Jesus says, abide in me and let my words abide in you that, so that you would bear much fruit and that your fruit would remain, that there would be legacy in your fruit. And the difference between a mother and just a normal leader or a, a fantastic mentor, all good names, all powerful names, is a mother has her heart at stake in what she's doing because she doesn't see the people that she's le leading and caring for as possessions or as a notch in her belt, as a social climbing tactic in the business room or in social media. She sees the people she cares for as valued sons and daughters and is a different mindset than just a worker Jesus demonstrated this principle in John chapter 10 when he calls himself I am the good shepherd and he distinguishes himself in that tired I am not a hired hand he says I am no mere worker because a hired hand doesn't own the sheep meaning the sheep don't belong to him and when the wolves come, the hired hand, the worker, runs away and flees, it says in John chapter 10, but not the good shepherd. The shepherd knows that those sheep belong to the him, him. And so when the wolves come, he's willing to lay down his life for the sheep. He is not a mere hired hand. This is the difference between a woman embracing the call as a mother and the woman just embracing an Another calling, it's fine to be a leader because right now the wolves are after the sheep, women. There's no mistaking it. And it is not the hour for hired hands. It is not the hour to just look at the sons and daughters around us and think it's not going, it's just going to be okay. No, it is time for mothers to arise and say, these are my sheep. These are my sons and daughters. My heart is in this, and I'm willing to give my life for them. I'm willing to lend my help so that they would not be defeated. I know this is weighty because it is. It is weighty because it is powerful that you were called Ezra, and your help is needed more than ever, I believe. And all the help you have been giving, 
Like, this is not a new concept to so many of you. I'm looking around the room at, at women who have been giving their lives for the sons and daughters, both their own biological children and children that don't belong to you. And I'm saying, be strengthened. Even if you don't see all that the story is saying right now, don't give up. Don't stop lending your aid and your help. It will produce, continue to produce victory, even if you don't see it yet. I loved what became the battle cry of Andrew and Emily in the face of losing so many children and babies. The story isn't over, and it's never over because it's not over until Jesus is at the end of it. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the cross, the resurrected one, and he's the one writing this story. And victory was always what he intended because he died to make it so. So how do we do this? How do we practically, because I'm all about the practical, y'all. How do we effectively and practically, as mothers, choosing to embrace the high calling of being a kingdom mother, whether you have biological children or not, how do you embrace this high calling in every sphere of life? Because it's not just about in the church. In every sphere of life, how do you embrace this practically, day in and day out, the high calling of motherhood? Well, I'm going to tell you how. It's going to be good. I want to give credit for what I'm about to say to, to this amazing woman, Bethany Hicks, a dear friend of mine. She wrote a book on kingdom mothering. This is not a parenting book. It's called Own Your Assignment, Every Woman's Call to Raise Up World Changers. Many of you have been doing, some of you moms in the room have been doing this book as a study. Three years ago, when I first met Bethany and first became familiar with this. It was a game changer for me because of the practicality of it naming who I was as a mom, but also giving me practical ways in how to engage with it so it wasn't so abstract. So the first thing I want to say as powerful women, as Ezers, is we aren't meant to do it alone. We are meant to do it alongside powerful fathers. Woo! We need powerful men <laughs> and powerful fathers. More than ever, too. We need all of it, the fullness. Remember, Jesus, again, modeled this so beautifully. Whenever he, with his disciples, he, said, he breathed on them right before, at the, and he breathed on them, and he said, receive the Holy Spirit, right? But then he tells them, wait until the Holy Spirit comes upon you, because you're going to be my wit witnesses Throughout the world, wait until the Holy Spirit comes upon you. See, Jesus is modeling powerful partnership. He didn't model this lone ranger mentality. The Trinity, the three in one, what a mystery that is, right? The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Working as, as a powerful unit, complementing each other. And truly powerful people are not insecure people. So powerful women can work side by side with powerful men so that we can see the fullness of all that we have to give, right? There's not fullness without the full design of heaven. It is not good for man to be alone. And that goes for women too, guys. We're not lone rangers. For you single moms and the single women present though right now, remember that that is why he is here with us, helping us. Even you are not alone. I'll address that more in just a minute. 
but in church and the places of our influence. Let us lean into powerful partnerships, the unity of us as the leaders, the fathers and mothers in the faith, to see the fullness that the sons and daughters need. My children don't just need me as a powerful mom. They need my husband right there with me. And he's here today. He and the, my kids are. They're just back in children's ministry. Changing people's lives. Yes, hallelujah. Hallelujah. All right, so there's three practical ways that we as mothers can lend our help, can lend our ezer to see victory in those that we're shepherding. The first is, Keeping the word of God, the vision that God has for those that we're leading alive and in our hearts. In Luke chapter 2, 11, remember Mary, the mother of Jesus. From the beginning, from the t- first time Gabriel the angel came to her and told her about Jesus and what was going to happen, Mary believed that word, right? And she kept that so close to her heart. It says it again here. In Luke chapter 2, verse 8, and there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You'll find a baby wrapped in clothes, cloths and lying in a manger. Okay, so the shepherds go and find Mary and Joseph and Jesus the baby. And they tell Mary and Joseph what they just seen and heard. And it says, it says there that, that Mary treasured those words in her heart. That means she literally kept them close. She kept them before her. All all that the the father was speaking over the son, Mary as a mother treasured the vision and she didn't let it die. She didn't let it die. When the father speaks over the people that he's entrusted to you, you as mothers are uniquely wired to carry it in your heart. You know what I'm talking about, moms. You can remember all those things that your kids did that where they succeeded or where you know the Lord spoke to you about your kids. Yeah? And we treasure those things in our hearts deeply. We keep them alive. We remind our children about that. Don't forget. I know I do. My kids, will they laughingly say, Mom, I don't know if I remember those stories or you've just told them to me so many times that it's just, it's so ingrained. But I always keep before them the God stories. I remember what God said about this. I remember when God did this in you. As a mom, I carry it. I treasure it in my heart. I keep the vision of the Father before my eyes and before their eyes so that we live according to his vision, not according to earthly patterns of this world. And yet there are times when we as mothers, we need to assist. This is where that helping comes into, that Ezra comes into, where we help our children, we help those that God's entrusted to us to succeed in their, in their lives, in their calls. In Judges chapter 4 and chapter 5, it talks about Deborah, who was a judge and a prophet in Israel. And I love this. In Judges 4.4, 4, it says, Now Deborah, a prophet 
the wife of Lipidoth, was leading Israel. She was judging Israel at the time. She was holding court. She had vision as a prophetess. She had vision for Israel that she was speaking into, into the people of Israel. And she saw that there was a time coming for Barak, son of Abinamam from Kadesh. This is in verse 6 of 4. And she said to him, the Lord, the God of Israel, commands you. So she's got prophetic vision for this. It's not her biological son, right? But this, this son of Israel that she's, she's overseeing. And she said to him, the Lord, the God of Israel, commands you, go, take with you 10,000 men of Naphtali and Zebulun and lead them up to Mount Tabor. And she's giving him this whole battle plan. But Barak isn't a, he's not ready to go. And so he says to her in verse 8, if you go with me, I will go. But if you don't go with me, I won't go. And of course, Deborah says, certainly I will go with you, says Deborah. So they do, and in that day, they're, they're, she's gone out with him. And in verse 14, Deborah says to Barak, go, this is the day the Lord has given Sisera into your hands. Has not the Lord gone ahead of you? Now you see two th different things happening right now. One, Deborah is continuing to give prophetic vision to Barak of what God said and what God is about to do. But again, she's not a hired hand. She's a shepherd in Israel and she's willing to lay down her life, if, that me if it means that, to go with him into battle to lend her strength, her grace, her ezer, her help to see victory where he was not confident victory would come. And she's still side by side with him. He gets victory, right? They are routed. In the following chapter, they're singing a song in Judges chapter 5. Really cool song talking about how great and almighty God is. And then Deborah says this line. In the days of Shemgar, son of Anath, in the days of Jael, the highways were abandoned. Travelers took to winding paths. Villagers in Israel would not fight. They held back until I, Deborah, arose until I arose a mother in Israel. She did not say, and I arose a prophet. She could have. She could have said, and I arose a judge. She could have. She actually said one of the highest callings that you can have on this planet is, and I arose, I arose a mother. Because she wasn't a hired hand. The sons and daughters of Israel belonged to her. And she saw them through to victory. She lent the fullness of her ezer, of her help, to her people that she loved enough to die for. That is the high calling of motherhood, of legacy. When it is, the story is written about Deborah, it was not just about her story and her time of how she was a really cool prophet. The fullness of the story of Deborah was how she lent her mothering, her legacy, her impact to the stories of others and saw others succeed, not just her. It's amazing. It's tough. 
time to arise as mothers, not as hired hands, as mothers, and the fullness of who we are, and the fullness of our ezer. The third practical way that we as moms are uniquely designed is in activating and accelerating identity. This is super fun. And John chapter 2 is the story about Jesus changing water into wine. And it says, on the third day, a wedding took place in Cana and Galilee. Jesus' mother was there. And Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, they have no more wine. And he says to her, woman, why do you involve me? <laughs> My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Nearby stood six stone water jaws, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. And then Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. Then he told them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. And they did so. And we know the ending of the story. Jesus turned water into wine because his mama told him to. <laughs> yeah. Now, I want you to catch something here. There's a lot happening in this passage. But remember, Mary this whole time had been storing, treasuring in her heart the word of the father about the identity of her son. She knew he was the son of God. She knew he was the Messiah. She knew he was going to inherit the throne of David. She knew all the words about her son. But what is interesting here is it was the mother who activated and accelerated the timing of the identity of her son. He says to her, woman, what are you doing? Like, my time has not come. But there was a grace on the mother as the Ezer to help it along. And it wasn't sin. And it was obviously the father was okay with it because Jesus did it. And then it says, it goes on to say, what Jesus did here in Cana of Galilee was the first of the signs through which he revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. This is not the only story of women accelerating and activating the destinies and identities of their children. This is just the only one I have time for. You can get the book. Bethany does a good job breaking through all the rest. Do you see the union there of Father God giving identity? Fathers give identity. Mothers activate it and accelerate it. Because we're the Ezers. Jesus is demonstrating it again. Remember, I just said it. You will be my witnesses. Jesus speaks as he hears the Father saying things. He's giving identity. You will be my witnesses. It's who you will be. But but then he says, but the help, right? The help, Holy Spirit is going to activate it and accelerate it. He's modeling again this unity of fathers and mothers together, of leaders doing it together, not alone. I was in a meeting um, this past year, a youth meeting with amazing leaders. And I remember at, the, at this one particular night of the meetings, uh, the overseer had inv invited fathers of the faith to come and bless the students, the Gen Zers who were there. 
And I am so glad he did. We need fathers doing this. We need fathers standing on the front lines, not relenting and speaking identity to the sons and to the daughters. And I was there and I noticed it. There were no kingdom moms. There were no spiritual moms there present. I'm not offended inside of me. I don't get offended by this stuff. If you get offended, women, then you lose your ability to release the grace you have on yourself because you, you stop moving in love and you begin wallowing in offense. Let it go. Stay in love. Love covers over a multitude of offenses. So in my mind, I know spiritually that I don't have to have a man or a woman or anyone acknowledge who I am in Christ. I'm seated in heavenly places. And I spiritually have taken on this, this identity of I am a kingdom mom. And whether I'm recognized or not, I can bless and re release grace to the sons and daughters to activate, to accelerate, to Ezra to help whatever the fathers are saying. And yet the overseer, he came to me privately. He's like, Nikki. He's like, it's so funny. I, I was looking around. I realized I didn't ask any kingdom moms to come. And the Lord said to me, if you go ask Nikki, she'll explain to you why you should have. <laughs> and I said to him, I was like, oh, I'm happy to tell you. I was like, it's not because you didn't need to ask. Please always ask for kingdom fathers to come. Don't stop. Don't stop. I said, but here's, here's the thing. The father, you're saying that you wanted the fathers to come and bless the identity of the sons and daughters. Yeah. I was like, but I as the mother in the faith can come and lend my grace, my ezer, to release fire of heaven, to accelerate, to activate, to launch them into that destiny, into that identity that the fathers are proclaiming. It is in that unity that we see the full strength of heaven's design. It is not good for man to be alone. He needs a suitable helper. I am a suitable helper. And we'll see an acceleration of victory. He, he was so gracious and kind. He apologized. He's like, well, can you just kind of do that? Can you do all that? I was like, I can do all that. Don't worry. Do you have any other kingdom moms I can help raise up to do it with me? Because it takes all of us, y'all. This is not about personality, and this is not about style. There is a unique expression in every woman here, in every woman here, to express the unique help that you give. It's why we need all of us to own this assignment, to own this high calling. Yesterday, as I was preparing my sermon, because it was a last minute change, I, I called up um, Misty over here. She does not have any biological children, but she has the heart and the posture of a mother willing to lay down her life for the people she cares for. So on a Saturday afternoon, whenever she's also a, a biblical scholar, when I needed to make sure I was saying and knowing my Hebrew words right, and I'm saying Ezra right, Misty, she's like, you are saying it right. I had to say it five times to her as she's building up my confidence. What is she doing? Misty is not me and my grace, but she and her scholastic grace, she's lending her help to me. She's lending her help to me in the way she was designed to lend her help in order that I may succeed today and not botch Hebrew words. And everyone can thank her afterward for that. Craig's mom, my, my mother-in-law, oh my gosh, she's so amazing. 
If my kids were, if you talk to my kids, you could talk, we could talk all day about the comfort and love we have felt from her in the meals and the way she has served us. She is such a servant's heart. For those of you out there that are taking meals to people, you women, you moms, it doesn't take much to know that when a mom's sitting in a hospital room, what that meal means to her, that you're lending your ezer, your strength, to people in their time of need where they feel defeated. A meal is a lot, y'all. Cookies especially on a hard day. I, I, y'all, I do. I'm like, Jesus and some hot cookies will get me through. My, one of my uh, spiritual moms, she passed away two years ago, one of the most significant women in my life. She wasn't just a mother in church. She was a mother in the business realm, very successful businesswoman. And she did this. She mothered in the business realm successfully. She didn't go around saying, I'm going to mom you. It wasn't weird like that. It was the posture of her heart that she owned that these people she was leading in every sphere of life meant more to her, again, than just a notch on the belt. The last lunch I had with her two weeks before she passed away, she was doing what I watched her do for 25 years. A woman came into the restaurant. She came up to her and she's like, oh, Miss Madeline, I'm finally going to do what you told me to do so long ago. She was taking a step in the business community to, to lead out in powerful ways to help the community grow more success in business. Now, Madeline did this. She saw this woman and had prophetic vision for her life of what she could do in the business room. And for years, she kept speaking it to this woman. And in that moment, she said, you're going to do great at that meeting. Again, Lenny, what do you need from me to help you succeed? And she, the woman said to her, she's like, oh, I think I got it all taken care of. I just want to say thank you for all you've done to help me. So many of you women in, your, in, in the business room, you're carrying, you're carrying people, you're carrying the hearts of others to help them succeed, to help that business succeed. I think about Wanda and how beautiful our campus is. The vision, the prophetic vision she's had for this house. It's not just because she's, she, she loves beauty. It's because she has a mother, mother's heart and she's taken ownership of, of increasing the beauty of the house in a mothering way. I hope you're getting a picture of this. Some of you are praying prayers you're lending your strength through prayers because maybe your kids aren't talking to you. Don't stop. It means the difference between victory and defeat. These are just a few of the ways that we mother, y'all, in every sphere and area of life. It is not a personality. As much as I love Leave It to Beaver and June Cleep, like it's not, it's not always that. Maybe you are that type of mom. That's great. But I'm saying the unique design of heaven in you, in your Ezra, is the exact help your kids need and the children around you, the sons and daughters around you. So don't waste your time or expend your energy trying to be a mother that you weren't designed to be. Lend the strength that only you have and you possess 
It's enough. It's more than enough. But if I'm going to be super honest with you, because it's so in us to help, it's so in us to help our kids and to help those around us, it's very easy for us women, for us mothers in the faith, us mothers in every area of life to see where we're failing and we're not helping. It's so easy, especially on Mother's Day, right? I was like, oh, I'm going to speak on Mother's Day. I'm not a perfect mom. My, my daughter said, of course you're not, mom. But remind the women, it's never about perfect moms, it's about good ones. We just need good ones. Maybe there's places where you feel like you can't help or you haven't been a help. And where I want to land right now is God is our Ezer. He is our help, women. They say that when women are under stress, two, thing, two prominent things happen. One, they actually recognize more the needs of others. And the second is, they feel really alone. I think that's funny. We were created in order to displace aloneness, and yet it's the very attack of the enemy to make us feel alone. When people say on Mother's Day, it's a hard day for me, it's usually because of places they feel alone or unhelped, or maybe they feel like the failure in helping, but it has something to do with the help. Maybe it's because you lost a really good mom and you just miss her. And that's a void that can't be filled except by God, right? There's single moms in here that you don't have the, what I get to have at night to vent my feelings to my husband. But Isaiah 54 says, I'll be your husband, God says. I'll be there for you. You will not be alone. There's a reason why in the Old Testament it's 16 times he is our help and only two times women that you are. You were never meant to be the end-all, be-all help, not for your children and not for those who are even around you. And that, that is an ongoing thing. The, this morning I woke up 6 a.m. and the first thing I thought of was something I forgot to do to help one of my kids last week. And I was like, oh, I can't believe I forgot to, I didn't do that. She hasn't even brought it up, but of course, I'm like, and I'm about to preach a Mother's Day message, and I just, this is again proof why I feel very weak. <laughs> and the Lord is again like, I am your help, Nikki. I can help your kids. I can help you. So every place that you feel alone, every place that you feel maybe that God didn't help you, or that you need help right now, God is our Ezra. You were made in his image, not vice versa. And we can surrender right now the heavy burdens of our heart, moms and women, and let him come and help. And this is no ordinary help. I cried to you, God, for help, and you gave me victory, it says. Andrew kept saying it, I lift up my eyes, for whence cometh my help? Where is my Ezer? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Oh. And he is the one helping 
your children. He is the one helping where you can't help. He is the great Ezer. And he is faithful. He is the Alpha and the Omega. I said it earlier, the beginning and the end. He's the writer of your story and the stories of the children that you care about. So we surrender. If you could just stand up, let's surrender. We surrender every area we came in here where we felt alone, Jesus. Even men in the room where you need the Ezer, you need help. You need the strength of heaven to come in where you feel defeated. You were not meant to be alone. We surrender right now. We give you the children on our hearts. We give you the grandchildren on our hearts. We give you the situations on our hearts, the businesses, the schools, the people that we're carrying so deeply. And we trust you. Earlier, I was uh, in the middle of the week, I was praying through a situation and I, I still didn't feel peace. And I said, Jesus, why don't I feel peace? He said, by faith, Nikki, you enter into rest. At some point, you're just going to have to believe me. You're just going to have to believe me by faith, even though you don't see it. And in that moment, I just surrendered and I, by faith, said, I believe you, Jesus. I said it with my mouth. And then and only then did I enter into a rest that he had it, no matter what I could see or not see. I walk by faith and not by sight. Right now, some of you just need to say out loud, I believe you, Jesus. I believe you will help my children. I believe you'll help my grandchildren. I believe you'll help these situations. You are the God who does not fail. Yeah, just the yielding right now, the surrender. Don't walk out of this room with the heavy burden or the yoke of aloneness. When he's so present and near, I will not leave you alone. I will come to you. He is here. He is here. this place even just just to say as a as a man and as a father just I release you to operate in everything that the Lord has for you 